You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center, this is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Welcome to the Wrestling Rewind. The only wrestling podcast by fans who don't hate wrestling. And ladies and gentlemen, we are live here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. It is Tuesday, the 15th day of March, two days before St. Patrick's Day. Welcome to the show. My name is Daryl Connor. This is the Wrestling Rewind Show 92. Can you believe that, Martin? 92. I, I believe that at this stage, Daryl. Well, with all that being said, you heard him. The reigning, defending, undefeated, one and all. Mr. Martin Herty, how are you, Martin? It is. Well, the only thing is that I've, I've uh, uh, despite two years of, of dodging it, I, I finally caught the COVID. Yeah, it so, got us all. Oh, it got us all. Punk, <laughs> Punk has a uh, has two weeks off anyway before he has to has to answer my challenge. We'll let him away with these two weeks while you're recovering. Yeah, so that's that's lucky. For, and and the worst thing is I couldn't have got COVID on the worst week. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, and then the day after St. Patrick's Day is my birthday. So, that's it out now for the third year in a row. Fourth year in a row, is it? That sucks, dude. How many many years is this going? This will be the third one for you. We missed two so far. But, uh, no, I I got it there, like, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, no, it's not fun. But, look, if there's any consolation, it's out of the way now. Uh, It seems like everybody who didn't get it the first time around... Has it now? So, um, speedy recovery, dude. Speedy recovery. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. Cause look, it's grand. It's, uh, it's not too bad. And send them your love, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Slobber Nicker is not on Twitter. <laughs> so send Martin your love. Um, he he would appreciate it. Of course, we have a lot to get through this week. Um, some sad news just to kick things off. We're also going to be talking about AEW uh, Revolution. That's going to be like a big part of the show, and also two K, uh, twenty two, which is um. Which I do have a lot to talk about, actually more to talk about than I thought I would. So we'll get into that as well. And and a big uh, a big debut. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, one that nobody expected, but it's kind of funny. It all kind of ties together uh, when we get there. We're also uh, we will be back to our timeline soon uh, on WCW, but you know, obviously things are quite busy for people listening to us on um, live. You know, leave your comments in the chat. We have a chat here open in front of us, so we'll be able to kind of see them. And if you're listening to us on Phoenix FM as well, uh, <laughs> this is the most up-to-date show I think we've ever done on Phoenix FM because we're recording, like, the day before, which is weird. It's mad, yeah. Yeah, you, we, usually, uh, we usually were live on Friday night. And and hopefully by the time this goes out <clears throat> on Phoenix, we'll have uh, better news about Scott Hall. Um, apparently, he was taken off life support about four or five hours ago. Yeah. But he's still, uh, still 
ticking away sort of under his own his own uh, strength so well look uh, so who knows so for people looking on the screen here we have the story from gamespot.com and it is kind of being reported all across major wrestling websites and twitter's full-blown you know I think we might have jumped the gun a little bit with R.I.P. Scott Hall in, in the comment of our show, but like th- there is the belief. So we'll see what's going on. But basically, legendary re- the story does come from GameSpot.com. Kevin Nash pays tribute to Scott Hall as he'll soon be taken off life support again. This was this is an active story. There's a lot of movement in it as well. Legendary wrestler and WWE Hall of Fame Scott Hall was recently put on life support after complications with hip surgery suffered. And suffered three heart attacks. Hall's former tag team partner, lifelong friend Scott Hall, confirmed that Hall's family will take him off life support as soon as they get their fair, the affairs in order. Um, Scott's on life support. Once his family is in place, they'll just continue life support. Nash posts on Instagram. I'm going to lose the one person on this planet I spent more of my life with than anyone else. My heart is broken. I'm so effing sad. I love Scott with all my heart and I'm preparing for my life without him in the present. So look, this has been um, active all day. Um, again, it is a very sad situation, and we don't know. Like, there the belief was that he was, you know, he didn't have long left, and that's particularly when we went live. Yeah, that the life support was sort of the only thing like keeping him alive. Yeah, and now it it seems to be that he is kind of breathing on his own again. So we don't know. Obviously, if if the story breaks or or if if there is some update during the show, we will update you guys but for the time being this is where we are uh as we're recording it's people it'd seem to be embracing it'd, themselves it'd be a hell of a kick out wouldn't it <laughs> from from razor just at the last minute oh to, man it really would be wouldn't it to keep on ticking like it's it to be fair look it surprised me a great deal uh i wasn't expecting this scott hall um he's kind of he's one of those guys where you, you when you hear some bad news it's just upsetting uh, it was kind of like when Jake the Snake Roberts was going through similar things, but he's looked okay in recent years. He's he's been doing a lot more, um, particularly with the WWE. You know, when he was in TNA, it was it was really bad with the band. Um, yeah, I remember yeah. that was a very very dark period for him specifically. But man, I don't know. Like you, you, you've had some run-ins with with Scott Hall. You've had the opportunity yeah. to drive him around Belfast and everything. So. Round uh, Cork. Cork, um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. He came down, he did a, a sort of a Q&A show for us down in Cork, and I picked him up at the airport and took him out to the venue and then out for something to eat after and back to his hotel. Mm. Um, yeah, and he was he was great. He was, like, I was a, a sort of a nobody trainee right. just, just there because I <laughs> think I was the only one who had a car. Right. Um, but he was more than happy to let me pick his brain and sort of offering different bits of advice about getting started and mm. happy to tell you all the stories about uh you know different mm. legends in and out of the ring and he, the only the only thing is he, he wasn't too complimentary about breath but i just sort of bit my tongue and said nothing <laughs> well look you know the main thing is if you're uh you know he's got he's one of those guys that no matter when you watch wrestling, you know who Scott Hall is, you know who Razor Ramon is, you, you, you've you you've had that kind of exposure to him, either watching him through the Monday Night Wars, obviously we were looking at their intro and it's like, he's all over it and I didn't realise he was all over it until we were kind of watching it for this, you know, and he is one of those massive names in the industry and, you know, bona fide Hall of Famer, I think a Hall of Famer twice, right, with the NWO and by himself and if he's not by himself, yep. he'll probably go in after this. 
Um, he, he never won the. Did he ever win the world title in WCW? He didn't. He never won any. No, world so he never period. won it neither. Yeah, which is Mad. which is surprising. But then again, the reason why he didn't win it was because one Nash was booking it when Nash wasn't booking, Hogan was bullying everybody to book it. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where you're like, he, he, the thing about Scott Hall is he always seemed to be, you know, uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Where he was with the people who yeah. were the big draws. You know, even even when he was winning, like he he like he won the uh, the sort of infamous um, ladder match with Shawn Michaels, but it's yes. it's Michaels who who it's sort of came out of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that's kind of it. Like even like throughout his whole career, you know. Again, and you, you took the word right out. I was going to say, you know, Shawn Michaels benefited from that way more than Razor Ramon, and then he went over to WCW where you think he would have had yeah. a run of it, and he did. You know, he was in the biggest stable of all time you know i know oh, wdb yeah. likes to say it's dx but it's not and i'm not in it like you know. like bloody no 100, 100 people were in it by the end like, like he was the founding member yeah the other half of of yeah the foundation of that even before you know hogan came in like uh, sort of the outsiders were the were the foundation of that absolutely and you know i think people need to kind of remember that you know, it, it's it, and one thing that we've noticed in the show, and we haven't gone back. We will go back to nineteen ninety six, probably. I think that's going to be our next jump, where we go back to nineteen ninety six. We can see the origin at the end of the row, but we've seen it in two thousands in WCW, where he uh, he's still up there. He's at the top of the card. He's having matches with Goldberg. He's in active feuds beside Kevin Nash, but never yeah. actually kind of coming out of a shadow as such. You know, he was just kind even, of even there. later on. Like um, post the uh, invasion and everything, mm. it was uh, it was Hall that um, Austin wanted to work with, which was surprising. Like I rem- you know, I remember going like as a kid. Like, what, how old was I in two thousand two? Like sixteen, fifteen, around that. And um, no, I was younger. I was like thirteen. I was younger. Um, I was still in school, uh, primary school. Uh, just going into secondary school, and um, I remember thinking, "That's kind of, that's not what I want." <laughs> you know, I remember, I, I never think Scott Hall was a weird, a weird choice for Austin. I think, you know, well, I, th- I think there was there was issues with Hogan, wasn't there? There and... was, there was issues with Hogan, and, and Nash wasn't a good fit. But I think everybody thought that Hogan and Austin was the match, and um, yeah. Uh, to this day, I do think that probably would have been a better match because the match that was at WrestleMania 18 was it, it was WrestleMania 18. Yeah, um, was was not good. It wasn't. I mean, he Hall wasn't um, in a particularly great um, no, spot wasn't. at that time. Like, but mentally, obviously, for, his demons as well. Yeah, yeah, but but I thought for um, I thought he 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 still managed it. I, I think. Mm. I think what sort of pulls it out of the bag mm. is uh, he did take one of the best stunners ever. He did. So when you think back to that match, you don't really think about the kind of sort of awkward plodding moments of it. You just think about that awesome bump off the stunner. And, yes. you know, in, in, in your own mind, it's it's probably one of those matches that it's probably better not to go back and watch. Yeah, and that's it. You know, it's one of those, when you are thinking about it as a fan, you know, there's those big moments, you know, and it did have that WrestleMania moment. I think from that WrestleMania, it was Hogan and Rock, obviously, the double turn. Um, 
and then there's the, the stunner. You know, like uh, Kevin Nash, I believe, was involved in a match as well. I don't remember who with. Obviously, it wasn't that important. Uh, I, can't, I, just, I, can't, I actually can't think remember. of it either. That's bad. Um, and I, yeah, if, if you're in the chat, guys, let us know. I just genuinely can't remember. Um, but yeah, Scott Hall was there. And it's. I think that was the highest point that he had. I think the flight, the, what was it, the... The plane ride from hell was a couple of days, a couple of months after that, and he was obviously let go around that time. Yeah, and that was it. And Scott Hall was gone until he would show up in Impact randomly, uh, a couple of years later with Kevin Nash, and they would do, you know, discount NWO, which was not good. <laughs> and it's weird because Scott Hall didn't even win the title there, which. Well, he didn't even win any. I don't. I think he won the tag belts. I could be wrong, but I think he won the tag belts. I don't think he won anything else. But I think he was so his character was kind of so effortlessly like laid back and cool. He probably didn't. Not only didn't need like a world title. I don't even know if it would have suited his character. Well, that's it. You know, now he does have a lot of runs winning U.S. belts and intercontinental belts and at that level, and then also multiple yeah. tag runs, something like. 15 tag runs it is it is kind of ridiculous when you think about it but then again it's just like he was happy enough to just be there oh that's what he told I've heard him and that was kind of it say this before and it's actually one of the things he 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 told me um he said as long as he's getting paid he'll go out and he'll take the L every single day you know as long as that that's what I that that's what I always got for him he seems like he's just the guy who's like right you're gonna pay me cool (laughs) (laughs) and that's kind of it you know and you know it's but the people he worked with as i said he touched so many lives and so many generations by kind of doing that like i would say scott hall while he's obviously not more influential than hulk hogan because hulk hogan is hulk hogan but i mean from a work rate standpoint and from like being influential like if you take the nwo the the, the 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 three guys who started it Hogan, Nash yeah. and Hall Hogan is obviously more influential because he put himself there right Nash is there because he was you know more open to book things and you know yeah it was a perfect no but he was still you know still try different things and particularly in TNA as well he actually did some really really cool stuff as far as getting some of the younger talent over Scott Hall just worked with people and put people over so I mean <laughs> And a couple of his other contributions kind of um, uh, outside the ring, like he, um, him and Nash had a had a big effect on the business yes. when they made that jump to WCW, and they kind of I know Hogan already had it, but mm. they kind of normalised the idea of wrestlers getting sort of guaranteed money yeah. in their contracts, and it, I mean yeah. changed the business a lot that way. And then the other thing that I would note about him was. When he was in sort of the absolute depths of addiction, mm. like he was so crippled by it. I, I know if you've seen the like any of the documentaries with DDP and that. I have. Um, he so was so crippled by it, like it, it didn't look like something that anybody could ever overcome. No. Um, and the fact that he did, I would assume, gave a you know a lot of inspiration, a lot of hope to other people who'd find themselves, you know, maybe in, in, a, in a situation that they thought was mm. uh, kind of hopeless. Yeah, no, it's, you know, whatever happens again, folks, when we're recording this or when we're, we are live, we don't know. Um, it's still kind of touch and go. He has off live support, but um, 
either way, he'll be remembered as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Obviously, Raw's tonight, so if the worst was to happen, they probably would. They, they probably are preparing well, something yeah. right now. Well, you'd hope either way that there's there's something like yeah. Like, and let's hope he does pull through, mm. but um. You'd hope even at that that there'd be a, a message of yeah you know support or support some or some kind of you know something like that exactly like look it it yeah. it's it's hard to see people who you watched particularly and and did like there there was a time particularly in the wrestling media where wrestlers were drawing were dying a lot at you know frighteningly young ages and this is the first wrestling that we've had in some time that has happened and it's it, it's sad but I mean like it's one of those things where you're like it's it's never easy you know it's never easy to see this it's never easy to kind of uh, even talk about this particularly when you're a wrestling fan but if nothing else he's gonna go out as you know the bad guy you know he's always gonna be <laughs> Scott Hall and, and that's great man like as I said it's if he's not in the Hall of Fame for himself he has to go back uh, in for himself, and maybe that's why this is happening. You know, you know, what this, sorry, the... you know what this feels like. This feels sorry for interrupting, man. No, no, this feels like the Ultimate Warrior. It feels like when the Ultimate Warrior died, he was in obscurity for so long, came back, and then all of a sudden dropped dead, which was weird. Um, and that's what this kind of feels like with Scott Hall, where he was in obscurity for a while, brought himself back, and now he is very much in people's minds. And I think maybe that's what he wanted. Yeah. So and like, like you say, he's... Say, um, like, I, I I get the NWO thing, but uh, yeah, you're right. He, uh, on his own merit, 100% deserves to be in the in the Hall of Fame yeah. as, as Razor Ramon, you know? Exactly, and that's it. You know, like, people forget that he wasn't always Scott Hall. He was the bad guy, Razor Ramon. You know, and it's weird. See, I, I think I'm that generation. I still, you still uh, do. My first, my first thought is still Razor Ramon. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, see, I, I always love the NWO, as, as you know, like. <laughs> um, but man, it's just it's, it's upsetting. You know, it's one of those things that you know we we would be remiss to cover it. Obviously, it's a bit of a downer to start the show with it. But if there are updates, we will let you guys know. And um, you know, we'd love to know what you guys think. Obviously, uh, we can be reached underscore the rewind on Twitter um, as well. If you want to kind of get your thoughts chimed in on that, but look, we're gonna swift, we're gonna shift gears here because we do have to talk about AW uh, Revolution. But before we do, yeah. um, I have actually managed to get a hold of Two K Twenty Two. So, and it's of course thank you to Two K who. Supply the code, um, and I'm going to be doing a longer review of it as well for the channel. So subscribe if you want to see that. Uh, Martin, have you had a have you looked into 2K22 at all? <laughs> I have. Uh, so uh, it doesn't appear to be coming out in the Switch, so uh, it doesn't look like I'm going to get to play it. But um, yeah, I mean, just obviously the intrigue after the disaster of 2K20. Mm. Um, you know, I've been following like online reviews and YouTube clips and that, and. Broadly, people seem uh, seem a lot happier with it. Yeah. Although, <laughs> if there's one thing I've noticed, it's that in a lot of the footage, you know, people playing it online and that, mm. a lot of a lot of these guys don't wrestle for them anymore. <laughs> like yeah, but not okay. So 
you know, the elephant in the room, I suppose, is is it better than 2K20? Yes. <laughs> uh, is it as good as 2 I mean, that, that'd be an absolute disaster if it wasn't wicked. Well, I mean, like, is it as good as 2K19? No. Not by, a, not by a country mile. But it's not for the reasons that people would think. It's basically a talent route. Like, the GM mode is awesome, right? But I won it because I had four Undertakers on my roster. <laughs> and that's how I won it. I just had two, the two Undertaker. Two you get away with, because there was two at one stage. There was. But I just had the Undertaker in, in every key spot. And it's not as good as, like, you, you know, you don't have as much control as you'd have... Um, in previous in previous um iterations of 2k you know um but it's, there's there, there's himself yeah there they are yeah there, there's scott as i it. said man like he's everywhere you know um but yeah i'm just gonna have that on the screen there so look as i said to you it, it's one of those things where you're you're playing it and you're like okay this is great but there's also just things missing, particularly with the with the GM. Like you can, you played the GM mode from 2006, haven't you? Or do um, you, you remember it? No, the only the only 2K game I ever played was no, not 2K, 2K. SmackDown versus Raw 2006. Oh no, no, I was very much um, uh, on the on the Nintendo side of things. Ah, I see. Well, look, what I I I actually play, and I mean, still do to this day play the 2006 on the PSP on the Vita right uh, because I just love the GM mode and the GM mode is one of the coolest things and a lot of people do and there's a way to do it and they all they had to do was just do that again <laughs> it, you don't have to do anything else but instead they, they have sexied it up a little bit where it's it's not too complicated but it's very hollow so the 2000, and I'm going to do this in the review in a longer kind of long form kind of thing because I really do want to kind of explain this for people. Um, I'm going to try to sum it up real, real quick here. So in 2006, you would play it and you could actually organize the entire roster. You could have your champions, your world mid-card tag and women's and then you could actually have your feuds and pen and paper, you could sit there and the way to play it is pen and paper, sit there, track out your feuds and then book it that way. And it's great, right? It's it's a very engaging way to actually do this. And you don't need to play the matches if you don't want to. And obviously on a PSP you wouldn't because it runs terribly <laughs> if you are playing matches on it. <laughs> so, you know, when I went in with this, you know, obviously they were talking about the GM mode and it was and people are excited and it is there. But you can only book your world champion. And there's no tag. Oh. There's no IC, there's no women's. Um, and there are certain things like cards, so you know you can play it to undercut your 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 rivals' promotions to not let them play their champions, etc. So it's more like a it's more like a card game element as well, which is a cool feature. But hasn't this been an issue though with wrestling games for twenty years, where fans of the games have been saying, "Just give us an updated version of." No Mercy, or just give us an yeah. updated version of SmackDown versus Raw, mm-hmm. and they keep reinventing the goddamn wheel over and over again. Yeah. And every year, people say, "Just 
give us the damn, give us a modern version of the thing we bloody like. Yeah. And every year they refuse to do it. Well, see, I think they actually tried this time around. You know, like the thing about it, if you actually look at the gameplay footage, look, it's a lot better than it was last year. The hair feature still a bit weird. It's not as bad as it was, but they're still trying to like build this game from the ground up because obviously it was developed by Ukes beforehand and then Ukes were like we don't want to do wrestling games anymore or we don't want to do WWE games anymore so we're leaving and they're like right we'll build our own and they're trying to build their own and that so they look better than they did but like if you can have a look at the footage here like it kind of looks a bit like it looks great in some ways and then kind of doesn't now, there are some cool elements in it as well where, like, you can wrestle in the Thunderdome and all the actual crowd is replaced by screens. And that's actually badass. Um, did I did I read a, a thing about it that says there's a, a mode in it where you're playing a certain characters and then what'll happen is if you do a certain move, it'll cut to the actual real-life footage of that move happening. Yeah, so there's the Rey Mysterio showcase mode. And I think I haven't, oh, actually, I haven't actually played that yet but because uh, I hate Rey Mysterio. But <laughs> um, I will, as I said, I don't want, that's why I'm not doing a, a full in-depth one yet. But I will play it. And apparently, like, it's like the showcase modes in general where they go through their best career moments and stuff like that. But um, as far as I wanted to get the gameplay down, I wanted to kind of get, you know, if stuff was going to fix them, playing through the My Rise mode, which is the career mode. And it's it's fine. <laughs> like I I have to say I really liked the two I like I really like two K twenty, right for the story mode. That was the wildest thing ever. It was the wildest, <laughs> most ridiculous storyline ever. And I you know what I have to hand it to them because they're like yeah we're just gonna go for it, and it's omnipresent man. Like they had empty arena matches. Undertaker doing cinematic things, loads of the fiend. But you know what's weird, right? So obviously the biggest flaw here, and we will I am conscious of the time. Um, so I'm gonna kind of wrap this up. But the biggest weirdest outlier of this is Bray Wyatt isn't in it. But all of he's, his he's not in he's it. He's not in it. No, no, no. See, all that's of interesting because surely they own the character like they do all of his stuff is in it you can make him like literally his entire entrance is there all the firefly fun funhouse stuff is there all of the 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 clothes he wears is there everything is there and it's the same with everyone they released the problem with this is and what they should have done what they should have done is they should have reached out to everybody who they hired and said look we're going to pay you for this for your likeness for this game That's yeah what so i done. Whenever I saw like the likes of <clears throat> Samoa Joe and Braun Strowman and all that, and it, um, I asked a couple. Of, I tweeted a couple of like the um, wrestling game journalists and that, like, are do these guys get paid for this? Mm. And they'd said, yeah, yeah. So it seems like a like a deliberate decision not to. Well, no. Include what, them. what usually happens is right when it depends. So as game development goes, you know. There's only so they're so close down to the wire that you can remove stuff, and I know with patching you can change it as well. But I mean, like a lot of these guys were just kind of in it and then taken out. Like uh, Kyle O'Reilly's in it, and obviously he was gone a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, William Regal is a massive part of it. Shane McMahon is a massive part of it, and you're like, okay, well, you know, it's too, 
it's too hard to remove them at that point, you know. But um, no, man, it's just the weirdest part about it is where you're like, the roster feels very barren. Yeah, and you're like, this is the like the game itself. It's a very competent game, and I like I'm really enjoying playing it. Like I think it's it as I said, it's not as good as two K two K nineteen. Two K nineteen is probably one of the best wrestling games ever made, right? Um, but it's such an improvement on 2K20 that's night and day. There's a lot of more mo- mo- modes in it and stuff like that. But the thing about it is, it's like you have you have this joined playset with no action figures, <laughs> and that's why I'm saying, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, my well, my GM mode was here's the Undertaker would... five times <laughs> because there was no one else. Here's what I'd ask you, because so obviously you're going to do your own uh, review on on Nerd No Media, yeah. like a full a full game review, and I don't know, give it a score or whatever. Yeah. But for now, do you think it's enough? Is is the improvement is the improvement enough to save two K, or are we going to see next year WWE start reaching out to the likes of EA and that to to take the the series forward? Like, will uh, we will will the next WWE game be a two K game? I think so. I mean, like, the problem here isn't with 2K. And I'm not saying that because they gave me a code or anything like that. I'm literally saying that the problem is they were hand a bad deal in 2K20, right? Legitimately. As far as, I think they had, like, four months to make a game. Four to nine yeah. months, which game development's hard, guys. <laughs> it's real hard. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. So it's just like, right, that's, that's, that's not enough time to make a game. And obviously it wasn't because the problems were so so well documented right like you can watch what happened which do a really good run of it you can you know find gameplay footage you can even go on my twitch this twitch here if people are watching it and you can actually see me playing it and see some of the the glitches there they are monumental you know with this one the problem isn't the game like yeah some of the figures look a bit weird but that's just the engine right it's more that there aren't enough wrestlers (laughs) You know, that is the problem. There, there aren't enough folks there on staff to make it a, a full experience. You know? Yeah. Like, that's the problem I have with it. Because you're you're playing through this mode or you're playing through... Or you're trying to make a GM roster. And then you're like, oh, I re- it would be really cool if the Fiend was there. Or, you know... Why is this person there? It's just very jarring. It's a very weird experience to kind of go through. You're like, well, he's an AW, but he works for, you know, it's just like, there's no consistency. It's the problem. What I'm trying to say is in a nutshell, the problem isn't 2K. The problem is the WWE. <laughs> and that's kind of what it feels like. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter who developed this game. You're like, you, let's just say Ukes. Let's say this never happened, right? This, this, the split with Ukes. And we were just going through a normal, a normal game, right? They would still have this problem because they can't use certain wrestlers who aren't there anymore. It's not like when EA took over Battlefront, took over the Star Wars license, and just made games that want to, well, they have mechanics in it to kind of get more money, like uh, loot boxes and all that kind of stuff. Which I don't know if you guys remember that, but that was a huge problem where you know, in order to play as Darth Vader, you had to put four hundred hours in. Or pay five euro or something. You know, it was it was crazy. But um this is much more like WWE have created a situation where they haven't got an expanded roster. 
So if you want to play that expanded roster, your only hope is to either hope someone makes them, which to, to be fair, the community creations are great, or you just wait until it gets around to it. And to be honest with you, that's one of the things that I do now a lot. I go to community the community creations tab and just make my own roster of create wrestlers. But I mean, I'd have to do that with anyone, and that isn't. But it a goes back problem. to. It goes back to the um, <clears throat> that uh, breakdown of the SmackDown and Raw rosters that yeah. Brian Alvarez did yeah. six months ago. It's exactly uh, that, dude. It's and, exactly and it's that, worse yeah. now because there's been more releases yeah. since since he did that rundown. But the numbers were mental, weren't they? There's something like 21, 21 male wrestlers on Raw and 25 on SmackDown and fewer female wrestlers and... Well, that's it. Like, it, it is crazy because it's just like, and even with the GMO, it's very, it's very showing because you're like, well, what are they valuing here? And it's like the world title. That's it. Well, at least it's true to life. <laughs> it's, well, that's what I mean. It's it's true to life. Like, it's usually you can kind of get around it. But I mean, again, they did a really good job. It's a, it is an improvement. I would say it's a strong buy. Particularly if you're gonna just do what I do and fill it with people who you want to see on 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 the and it will grow again because the community is always quite good. But um, yeah, man, it doesn't matter who built this. It doesn't matter again. It, if Ukes were in this position, which they probably would have been, um, it'd be the exact same thing. So I mean, like, look, if you're looking for an updated version of um. WWE where it has certain things like you know GMO is there it has uh, the, I'd say the Thunderdome is like the coolest thing in the world I'm blown away that they actually recreate that and the thing about it is they actually have real life people in the audience I think it's the development team so it's like they're under <laughs> cool. it's very cool I'm like that is that's brilliant so it, it, it a lot of work went into this Um, the, the overhaul game mechanics are a bit weird to get used to but uh, it's a strong buy for me, but like it does have problems, and I will go into that in more detail on on the the proper breakdown review and the comparison. But um, you know, and, and as a sort of one final <laughs> news segue, are the Hardy Boys in the game? One of them is Jeff Hardy is. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Hardy oh, is. Yeah, my Hardy isn't, but you can put him in it. Um, but that's what I mean. Like it's such a it's a, the problem here, folks. It isn't 2K. It's WWE and whatever they're doing that none of us seem to make, know what's going on and it, it bleeds into the game. But look, I would say if you're a fan, if you're looking for it, I got, I got it on the PS5. Um, plays great. There's no... One or two little glitches again. Some of the hair looks really weird. But it will get there. You know, and obviously there's some more updates coming. There's a rake of updates. It's the NWO update. I think there's the... Well, the Undertaker one's already there. But um, yeah, it's, it's worth getting. It was worth the wait. But... Um, We'll just say I'll keep you updated as as we're going on when that review is going to drop on the channel as well. So subscribe to Nerd to Know Media on YouTube to get that as well. So uh, let's switch gears here, Martin. In the half an hour, twenty five minutes, half an hour we have left. AEW Revolution two thousand and twenty two was a little while ago. Obviously, I was in Greece, so uh, I had to kind of give this a bit of a, a miss until I got back. Um, I'm going to kind of be the... Yeah, I mean, well, we're still only just over a week. Yeah, exactly. Just over a week from, from when it dropped. And um, obviously, we're not going to go into the pre the buy-in because I didn't, I didn't see the buy-in. Um, so, uh, well, is there anything you I want just, to mention I, before we, we go in? Yeah, I, I would just say that 
this um this was an excellent buy-in really good um and and again i'd be like yourself normally i'll watch the buy-in if i have time um but they seem to have switched up their sort of approach to the buy-in it's not a whole pile of um you know kind of promo videos and and you know the video packages that they make to hype up the bigger shows they had three genuinely really good uh uh, matches on the on the buy-in, uh, Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander had a slightly botchy, um, but a really solid match. Hook came out and batted the head of QT Marshall. Everyone loves to see Hook, and then the uh, House of Black took on uh, Pack Penta Oscaro and Eric Redbeard came out to join them, and they had uh, like it, it was almost a shame that this was on the uh, on the buy-in because they had an absolute banger of a match mm. but um yeah look we're, we're we're tight for time so we won't go into it but uh this was is a buy-in that's actually worth watching well look as i said you know when i saw the buy-in i was like oh man i wish i kind of had to saw that because you know i really like pack penta's cool and eric redbeard's just obviously it's you know it's that is a tag team. That is a trio that you <laughs> want to see. And in the House of Black, yeah. I just I'm all over that man. Like as I said, uh, Alice Black is one of my favorite wrestlers. But uh, it's cool. You know, it's a very very cool kind of faction warfare thing. I just I'm sad I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great mix of guys because you know you have the likes of a uh, Pack Penta and Buddy Matthews. Yes, and obviously um, Malachi Black who can you know, do the really, really athletic stuff. Yeah, and you have Brody King and Eric Redbeard, you know, just two huge hosses who just went at see, each that's other. A, this is a traditional uh, Mexican trio setup. Oh, so that, that, it doesn't shock me that, that that was that good because that's kind of how you do it. You have your, you have your big hosses, you have your athletic kind of uh, staple guys and then you have your, your high flyers as well. It seems like I had everything. So I am probably going to go back and watch that. But Martin, we're gonna have to quick quickly go through this because uh, we're we are tight for time. So, Jade Cargill and versus Tony Conti for the AEW TBS Championship. Obviously, yeah, uh, Tony Conti. Yeah, well, you've sorry, go on. You've we've jumped a wee bit ahead here, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, Jade Cargill's in the middle of her, you know, her. I think she's thirty and oh now at this stage, so this wasn't her usual weekly squash where she just beats someone in two or three minutes mm. take on he's a wee bit uh yeah she's a, she's a wee bit more in a prominent position than um cargill's usual opponents so mm. this was definitely more of a fight mm. um uh, a lot more given to Ty Conti than would be given to other people going up against jade but still only six seven minutes long but a, it- a solid match you know, I I started it there. I started on that one because it is the shortest match of the night. It is one of those things where, like, when I when I when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, they didn't really give too much time on this. Uh, Marcus Devil May Cry uh, via Twitter said it, it is crazy to me in one match. I'm a fan of Swerve in AEW. Meanwhile, WWE ruined uh, Pete Dunne in one night. Oh God, yeah. If, if if only we. This is the problem with so much happening in wrestling. We we just don't have time to cover like all the news every week. But yeah, Pete Dunn came out as Butch. So do do what you will with that. 
Um, anyway, so look, I want to start there because it was uh, like Pete Dunne showing up doesn't surprise me at all because they just weren't using them at all in WWE. Um, but yeah, look, I started there because it was one of those uh, matches where I was shocked that it wasn't longer, but it was such a stacked card and nothing kind of sums that up more than the opener. Chris Jericho was defeated by Eddie Kingston in about 14 minutes. Um, really, really, really good performance with Jericho. Jericho looks fantastic. Um, and he, he probably one of the best performances in Jericho in a while. But this Eddie Kingston thing, um, like he's just been pulling out great performances from everybody. His match with Punk was unreal. So I think this is like a new era for Eddie Kingston. Oh, this is this is his year, twenty twenty two. He has to lift the uh, the TNT, maybe even the world title this year. And it was by submission as well, so he made Jericho actually give up, which is and that worth was more. Yeah, and that was very deliberate because the 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 finish was fantastic. Jericho went for the um, the Judas effect, and he he ducked under it. It was a really fluid motion, mm. and came back with his sort of kind of. Back, uh, backhand finisher, mm. and then hit him with it again. Mm. So the fact that he hit him with it twice in a row, I thought that's he's out. But rather than go for the pin, he put on that that cool looking uh, submission stretch. Oh, it was very cool, and, uh, and tapped him out. So it w- so it seemed to be a real deliberate thing that it was a it was a submission defeat and, and not a pinfall. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as I said, it, it put him in a great position. As you know, not only did he, and again, like there's very few people who have a submission victory over Jericho. Which yeah. is something worth mentioning. I don't know if you brought that up a commentary or not, but it, it's one of the things that when you look back at Jericho, like it's the list is very small of people who actually beat him with a submission. It's usually the a pinfall li- or some other kind of way, but it's never the list very small of people who have beat him at all. Like if you're talking one on one, yeah, not a huge. It's not a huge list. Of, like no. so, he got his first pinfall loss. Um, uh, was Orange Cassidy before or after Moxley? It must have been after. But yeah, like you're talking Mox, Orange Cassidy. You know, he's had maybe one or two other straight one-on-one losses since then. But like he's been with AEW from the very start. Yeah. And like you could count his singles losses on one hand. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the next match here was a three-way Jungle Boy, uh, Luchasaurus defeated Red Dragon and the books now look this, I'll be honest with you this one did very little for me um, I don't know why I was expecting it to be a little bit better than it was Martin um, but it, look uh, the, the, I, I, I kind of wanted the books to win or Red Dragon because I'm a huge fan but uh, obviously just Jurassic Express came out and got the victory here now, uh, do you know what maybe it's the type of matches you're into yeah um, but for me personally, I thought this was a work of art. Really? I, okay. I, the fact that it was so well put together um, from three teams who can do, like like every single one of those guys can do mad spots and they had this thing build and build and build and at no stage did it get, you know, kind of clustered or awkward. Mm. There was no, um, I can't think of any spots where, you know, you had people sort of standing, looking up for like an inordinately long amount of time. You know, and it becomes very obvious that they're waiting to catch someone. It was very fluid, all right. I would have to give it them that, yeah. flowed amazingly. Um, the high spots were as high as you ever... I mean, it was it was pretty clear that the, the Young Bucks kind of had their uh, fingerprints all over this one. Mm. And then I thought 
the ending was just uh, that finisher of Jurassic Express is just amazing. Oh, um, look, as I, I said, so my question on this one though, Martin, where did they go from here? Because this was obviously for the the tag belts, and they defeated the two major teams like red dragon could carry that division by themselves as could uh the books who did um where did they go like who's the next well i imagine it's because um red dragon and the bucks are gonna go do their own thing with each other for a while Hmm. so there's obviously there's obviously you know an undercard of an issue there with adam cole yeah and his prior his um loyalties and then we're also seeing more and more, you know, Kenny Omega is starting to be more active on Twitter again. And um, uh, oh, what do you call him? His manager was uh, on the buy-in. Right. Um, it was actually his Kenny's music played on the buy-in and the place went mad. And then Don Callis walked out. Right. Um, but you're starting to see more Don Callis. You're starting to see Kenny's more active on Twitter. Um, so I, I think the reason they have kept the titles away from the Bucks and Red Dragon is because they have a whole program planned for them with Cole, with Omega, and wherever that goes. And I think that's brilliant because that opens up, like I say, the tag titles for uh, Jurassic Express have been brilliant. You have now um, the House of Black, Mm. you know, uh, are in there. Yeah, Coming coming off the big win as well. Big one. And FTR, I think, are long overdue. Uh, um, you know, another shot at those. Santana and Ortiz have split from the uh, inner circle, so you know they're going to have their own run. Like, there's no shortage of of things they can do with those titles, and I think um, Bucks and Red Dragon have. A, I think they have their own path for right. maybe the next six months or so. Well, look, the next kind of big talking point here, and we kind of talked about this on our uh, re- uh, preview like two weeks ago. The face of the Revolution ladder match was. I had a bunch of questions in it. We didn't really know how it was going to go. Um, Warlow walked out with the the victory here. Um, to my disappointment, to be honest with you. Um, again, I, I, I don't like Keith Lee in in general. Um, and no, I don't, I don't know why. I, I, in NXT, I was like, okay, cool, he, he's fine. Uh, he, I don't know what it is, man. Like, I enjoy, I'm surprised to hear that. I, I was surprised that it happened. I'll be honest with you. I was like, "What? What's off?" It's just something hasn't clicked. I was, I enjoyed his uh, the opening with uh, Orange Cassidy doing his little kicks kind of thing, and then you know, it was <laughs> yeah. brilliant. That was just one of the best things I've seen in, in a while. I love Orange Cassidy, but Keith Lee, I, I don't know if it's that he hasn't settled in yet. It, I, I'm getting Cody vibes off him for some reason. Um, oh, yeah, it's weird. So I, I'm gonna kind of keep an eye. Well, on well he is like. Uh... Yeah, I mean, this was, I think, his third match. It's it's like in the he company ha- it's, and... it's like he hasn't settled in yet. If that makes sense, he's still kind of finding what he wants to do, and it's like, do I want to keep doing my NXT thing, or do I want to try something different? And I'm like, right, we're just gonna have to see if this is a thing. But it just it didn't click with me, and I'd be interested to know uh, from people listening uh, underscore. The, the rewind on Twitter or even on the streams or the comment and video like what did you guys think what, do you think like it's weird because this was always going to happen this happened during the Monday Night Wars it happened to a lesser extent with Impact and WWE where when someone jumps over either they reinvent themselves or they kind of do exactly what they were doing just in a different company and with Keith Lee it's like 
right, you were injured so much in WWE that you didn't really get that run and now you're kind of doing stuff we've already seen before. I do think, even though I wasn't a huge fan of why he did in this match, I think it's it, it's a bit of a misstep to not give him the win because it would give him something t- to do. Um, and that's my concern coming out of this now. I He didn't impress me enough in this match to be like, oh, I can't wait to see him again. I'm more like, Warlow was a weird choice. You know, <laughs> That's where I came yeah. out after this match. I was like, all right, cool. But uh, what now, you know? Well, I mean, I think the thing we had here, um, and we mentioned it, like you said in the preview, is that there are, are reasons for every one of these guys to win it, Correct, and yeah. reasons for every one of these guys not to win it. Yeah. Um, which actually is, in one sense, made it a really great match because you genuinely didn't know no who who was going to come away with it. No, I didn't. Um, Wardlow, uh, I think. Also, um, I'm sorry, one second, Marcus. Thanks so much for following us on Twitch as well. We appreciate it. Thanks, Marcus. Um, Wardlow, I think um, there, there's there's a storyline element to this. Uh, I don't necessarily know that he's going to win the title with the with his match. Um, so obviously the TNT title just changed hands there on Wednesday. Mm. So it'd be a wee bit of a hot potato to to move it around. Yeah, again yeah. next week. Yeah, it'd be um, it'd be a bit like the the TNT title is there for that kind of thing, but you want a little bit longer runs than just week to week. Yeah, so so that's why I imagine there's storyline elements here. Obviously, we're going to go into the CM Punk match uh, next. Yeah. But um, like, so there's a whole issue there with MJF mm. with Wardlow's uh, contract is with MJF. It's not with AEW. Yes. We didn't we didn't see MJF this week on Dynamite. So no, because he's probably in bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, is he going to come out and demand the shot? Is he if Wardlow wins the title? Is he going to like? So I, I think. Part of the reason it went with Wardlow, I mean, apart from the fact that he's just a really good wrestler and he's over as hell, yeah. Uh, I think there's sort of storyline uh, elements to this. Well, look, what we're going to have to do, obviously, on the stream here, we're going to keep going without taking a break, but we are going to have to probably take a break for the for the radio show. So when it comes to in about five minutes after we talk about Punk MGF, I think we are going to have to to take a break for the the radio listeners. But obviously, the stream is going to keep going as normal. So look, Martin, CM Punk MJF. Dog collar match. The first dog collar match, actually, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen a dog collar match since Raven did them in TNA. And well, you know what was crazy about this was even to Punk's ring gear, which was oh man, I love that ring gear. This was a callback to indie CM Punk Ring of Honor. Well, not even Ring of Honor, more so TNA. If you haven't seen Punk in TNA, this was it. He was channeling Raven, and this is cool, man. Like again, we've made a lot of jokes about, um, you know, Walmart greeter Phil and we. Oh, me. Okay, I've made a lot of jokes about uh, Walmart greeter Phil, but he was Raven here. This is like, if Punk can become the modern day Raven, which he always kind of was, um, and wants to be because he loves Raven. Um, I'm all over this. This there's a very similar like Raven would have these matches all the time in TNA in about 2005, and they are unreal and this match was almost bar for bar as violent as it was as aggressive as it was the choke spots all that kind of stuff this was a tna raven dog collar match for the modern era well done to both the lads punk if, if this is who he is as i said uh, it's the same hesitancy i had with keith lee uh, sorry, I have a key that I had with Punk where it's like, I don't really know what you're going to do 
you know it needs to be different and Punk now he's sliding into this new era where he's like right this is who I am now and if this what if this is what Punk and AEW is going to be man we're in for a great time a great time so I think what um, what when big names come in like you said Keith Lee and CM Punk and the likes of that I think there is a period where the audience is just going to be happy to see them. Yeah. Like, they're just going to cheer them no matter what. Yeah. So there probably is a period of time where you just have to let them do matches and, you know, sort of crowd pleas and promos and stuff to let people get that out of their system and then you can start really telling stories with them. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you 100% here. This was phenomenal. Yeah. And it was a level of violence and a level of viciousness that was so far removed and and like i know you didn't like it i loved it mm. but so far removed from the the jurassic express um uh, three-way tag match because it was so much grittier it's not and, it's not of its so time. much more grounded it's not of its time it, it, no, it, it's it's a match from 15 years ago oh but, it, even know. the uh and and, and like obviously glowing over punk a huge uh reason that this is so fantastic was down to uh mjf um his bump on the thumbtacks for example oh, man. was astounding yeah in fact i think these two guys might be the best sellers on the go right now oh look as i said you know it's it's something we haven't seen i don't think like look, most people have never seen this from cf punk legitimately Oh most, yeah, most people have never seen this because you only saw this in the independence. You didn't even see it in Ring of Honor that much. He didn't really do it. Like I had his feud with Raven in Ring of Honor, but that that spanned across Germany, Impact, and then kind of ended up in Ring of Honor from time to time. So this is something that you know it, it's something that people wanted. It's just weird that Punk has taken over that Raven role that he initially was MJF, and I just love that this has come full circle now where punk is a lot older he he is playing that older you know a mentor figure where mgf is like well look you know i looked up to you but i don't have to now and that's the story that was going on here and it it's just wonderful it really is we are gonna have to take a break here though uh for the fm listeners martin what's your what's your twitter how can people reach for uh, phoenix fm uh you can get me on slobberneck Slabbernecker, cool. And of course, you can reach us at oh. underscore the re- the rewind and of course the wrestling rewind at gmail.com for your comments, thoughts, and opinions. Yeah! You have nothing else to do on a Saturday. Do you like nerd things? Now check out Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then head over to nerdtoknowmedia.com for all of our shows as part of the Nerd to Know Media Radio Network. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. Guys, we're going to keep going here on the stream as well. Um, so, Martin, look, going into that match, uh, for me, that was match of the night, uh, the dog collar match. and um, But we weren't done. We were not I done th- by a long shot. I think so, um, for me as well. Uh, like I say, the, the level of violence was so grounded. It was brilliant to see that aspect of Punk. Mm. Um, you know, I've been getting a wee bit of stick over the past months for saying it, but every time he has a match, um, I think I'm proved more and more right. I think Punk is on the, 
the run of his life. And then obviously you had the storyline elements were brought into it with Wardlow coming down with the ring and not being able to find the ring. And mm. then he is, oh, oh, oops, here it is. And he puts it on the apron for uh, for Punk to lift and to, <laughs> to crack MJF. I just thought from start to finish, this whole chunk uh, of, of the pay-per-view as a presentation was just amazing. I I don't know. I... I... I'm I'm still on the wait and see with Punk. I mean, like, if this is who he's going to be, I I don't take back what I said, but I'm going to be a bit less, uh, you know, less gleeful when the just this adjustment <laughs> period happens. It's just more kind of like, you know, it, I I think he's just like right. Well, this is what I'm going to do. And the minute I saw the white shorts, I I did pop a lot. The reason why because I'm like, whoa, okay, we're going back here. <laughs> We're going way back to, like, he literally looks exactly like he did back in Ring of Honor, you know, so he's not trying. Oh, yeah, and he's not, he had the music and everything. Yeah, he's not trying to be, uh, you know, WWE anymore. He's gone. He's not. He's literally going way back and doing this kind of stuff. And again, like, the dog collar match, it's a match that, on paper, I didn't really, I wasn't into. I was like, yeah, okay, I don't want to see you know, um, Walmart, Greeter, Phil, and that kind of match. <laughs> but the flock, the gathering Raven, CM Punk, yeah, and that's who we got. So we'll be interested. I'll be interested to see where this goes and how it kind of resets. Obviously, he wasn't on. Uh, was was he on TV last week? Uh, I know uh, MJ no. wasn't. So we'll no. have to see when he is on the, TV. The thing with the, uh, the dog collar match as well is, I mean, that's just a very difficult match. to to pull off you know like you got a very long chain you're attached to and like there's a hundred different ways to get tangled I mean that's before you're even talking about going in and out of the ropes and in and out of the ring and um, so even just from a from a like a technical standpoint I, I thought they did a hell of a job absolutely and it's a match as I said it's a match you don't really see that much you might see a strap match from now and then but they're always kind of lame I thought strap matches uh, I've never seen a good one I'll be honest with you I, yeah, the only the, like the dog collar match is one of those things that Perry Saturn used to do really good ones in WCW. Um, yeah, but TNA really kind of figured out how to do them well, um, particularly in the early days. So it, it's I, I think AEW is making it one of their kind of calling cards. So, so there's only been two. Yeah, um, and the previous one was an, another brilliant match. It was Cody and uh, uh, Brody Lee. Right. Uh, they had a hell of a dog collar match, but again, they, they seem to pull it out when it's a real vicious, real personal feud. But well, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a blood and, and it's. I think they're. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah. I, I think the uh, company's making it something of like a, a calling card of theirs. You know what we'll do? We'll actually we'll track down uh, Raven and Punk stuff from TNA. I don't know. We leave in or one of the Raven dog collar matches and we kind of compare and contrast because I think that would be a fun thing to do. That'd be class, yeah. Um, so yeah, we will put that on our on our uh, on our time map because obviously we're going back to WCW next week. Um, but I think that would be a cool thing to do, um, particularly now that's so relevant. So look, moving on here, we have uh, Britt Baker DMD um, defeated Thunder Rosa again. This was a long match, but we called it. This was probably going to be uh, the case here. Um, obviously, title's not going anywhere. She's more over than anybody in the entire company, so you're not going to take that belt off her. Thunder Rosa did look awesome, though. So, oh, yeah. You know, 
I was very happy with this. It's great to see such a competitive match with such a high billing as well. Um, but uh, it, I, and the weird thing about it is, even though we had saw, so, sorry, even though we had saw such a, ma- a blood feud beforehand, the crowd was still into it. Yeah, um, and and I think that the um, the crowd started weighing towards the end of the night. Again, it's just a long, a long night, and they'd yeah. seen like by the time they got to say the main event, wow, they'd seen a lot of stuff. You took the words out of my mouth. Honestly, <laughs> I was going to say by the time Mox and Danielson the next match, I was kind of done. I'm like. Right, it actually you know. it even took Mox and Danielson a wee while to get the the crowd, and they had another great match. It but did, it took yeah. them a wee while to get the crowd into it. Yeah. Um. For me, and this is actually kind of a a compliment to the pay per view as a whole. Yeah. For me, uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa was kind of the low point of the night. Um. And I'd still give it like I'd still give it you know three point five. Right. At that. Right. I think the I think the problem with the match was that. It went too long for what it was, yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't really a world championship match. No, what it was was a setup for next week's cage match, which is uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa next week in a cage at St Patrick's Day Slam. So it's exactly one year on from that vicious uh, lights out match they had last year, where they murdered each other um, and I think that that's where I think Thunder Rose is going to win it then mm. so so the issue with this was I think when a lot of the interference started happening people could kind of tell where this is going yeah. you know Brit's going to retain and it's leading up to the, the sort of anniversary match this was um, th- at, yeah this was, uh, a, this was a WCW booking where you use your pay-per-view to book your TV which is never a good way to do things yeah yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you I mean, I like the symmetry of, you know, it being one year since the St. Patrick's Day thing, but I mean, that's just nice. It's not really, it's not really important. Mm. You know, it's just kind of a cool thing you can point to. But yeah, I would agree that it's slightly backwards there. Well, look, for me, the real main event happened next, Moxley and Daniel Bryan. <laughs> and I don't mean that with any disrespect. It's just, I wasn't. I didn't care about Adam Cole and the Hangman Page. I really just didn't care about the tag match. I thought that just could have been cut, honestly. Um, but Moxie and Daniel Bryan, they killed each other. And it was just, it was unbelievable. It was such a great match. And then, of course, you had William Regal show up, which was even more weird. But, uh, you know, I came out and slapped the two of them. It was bizarre, and he ended up covered in blood as well for some reason, which was weird. But, um, man, it was... It was brilliant, you know, and obviously it set up again this new kind of reset where none of them were heels. They were both faces, went in, had an extremely physical, extremely violent match. But it wasn't like there was hate. They were just like, we're being so competitive. We're just going to go for it. And that was the story. That's the story they told. It was great. I think having my, I would have liked Daniel Bryan to win because he needs to keep winning. He does. He needs to win. He keeps losing. He's putting people over. Mox didn't need the win. But again, nobody lost here. Like legitimately, win. I know wins and losses matter in AEW, but not here, uh, and definitely not with Daniel Bryan. Like he doesn't need it. Um, you know, so probably it one looks of them like I- they're. It looks like they're going off in a, a tag team direction as well. Yeah, yeah that's um, probably what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm- 
maybe that's why they're keeping Red Dragon and Bucks out of it. You know, maybe maybe Max and Danielson are gonna like um, it's like you say, they're, they're not exactly faces or heels. They're just two really hard guys who you know fight like a really vicious style. Yeah. So I could see them. Uh, taking the titles off Jurassic Express, and I mean working over Jungle Boy, you know, it's something really, really vicious. But like, um, w- look, with that though, that would be a cool, that would be a cool way to go about it. But then again, the the tag team division, you'd have to start filling it with star power, and the star power just isn't there. I mean, from a tag from tag teams, there are there, but I mean, like, Mox and Brian are your two key stars of AEW yeah like there's no one in the tag team division that can well Malachi Black but he's off doing his own thing with the House of Black so you know who else would you bring in there you know you'd, you'd have to relegate people and again it, it's it's wrong to, these words are wrong to say because it's but I mean you'd have to relegate them away from the world title or from the TNT title to go for the tag belts but then again, if you did that, you could actually raise that prestige up and have a new perception of what tag wrestling actually is. But they're not there yet, though. Like, for me, but Red think, Dragon or that, you know? I think that might be partly what they're doing in that this is a really good way. So, um, Brian Danielson, um, you know, he, he, he can't face Hangman again for, for quite some time. Yeah. You know, they've they've done their, their two matches. Uh I think this is a handy way of continuing um, Adam Page's run because mm. there's great matches he has left. Um, and I I think the, the match he had this week on Dynamite is kind of an example of what they're going to do with him. It's kind yeah. of a Bret Hart thing where he's going to be like a, you know, a fighting champion, you know, wrestling fairly regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a really good way of taking Mox and Danielson out of that picture because if they <clears throat> if they're still in the singles division I mean he can only avoid them for so long well that's true and it, that does make sense I, I would be interested to see now how they kind of reset the tag division though with some bigger names and again House of Black it's kind of its own thing that's the problem they're just kind of doing what they want but that would be an interesting thing to do with you know Christian Cage Keith Lee uh you know, those kind of guys that are just kind of yeah. floating. You know, they can be put into a cool tag team, and you know, we could do, we could maybe see it that way. But look, I have very little to say about the next match because for me, <laughs> I just wanted it over. And the real news happened like a couple of days later when Jeff Hardy randomly showed up. So, what did, do you have anything to say on it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because to be honest, I was like yourself when this match was announced. I was kind of like, ah, oh, man, that's a dynamite match like that's what it felt like why are you sticking that on the pay-per-view yeah. and then it was put on at such a strange time on the pit like i mean it kind of made sense that it was kind of like a palate cleanser between you know mox and danielson which that's what it was you know Dude, that's what it like was. you say yeah, it was a, yeah, a lot of people palate saw cleanser. that as the yeah. real main event um so i suppose it was clever in that uh where Whenever it started, Isaac, yourself, I wasn't really into it. We'd seen a big six-man match earlier. I didn't mm. need to see another one yeah. at half three in the morning. Mm. And then it bloody surprised me. I thought it was brilliant. It Now, it was absolute car crash nonsense. Like, it was a knockdown, drag-out brawl. But um, I thought it was great fun. I thought they did some awesome spots. Sammy Guevara's... Uh, 
Spanish fly off the the stage was mental. And then 62-year-old Sting came jumping off the balcony through four <laughs> tables. Like, I mean, it, it genuinely, it, it woke me back up because I was, I was flagging at that stage. Like I say, it was half three, maybe heading for four o'clock in the morning at that stage. And uh, I was I was a, a brave bit of the way through a, a bottle of Jack. Yeah. Um, and, and I was starting to flag. But it actually, that match, as a palate cleanser, kind of gave me the little boost I needed. And, I, and because of it, I enjoyed the main event all the more. Fair enough. Well, look, uh, I, as I said, I don't really have much to say. As somebody who would be a, a Sting fan and a vehement Sting fan, I um, once I start seeing four ta- more than one table with Sting, I'm like, oh no, we've been here before. This is WCW. <laughs> um, but no, man, look, I, I understand your point. It was a palate cleanser. And look, for all intents and purposes, it was a good one too. Next match, that the, the main event, well, they called it the main event. It really wasn't though. Uh, hang but on it's, it's like we said last week this bloody pay-per-view had four main events it did <laughs> you know? it did and to be fair like this was the weakest of them <laughs> and it wasn't their fault the match itself was quite good I just kind of wish I wish this match wasn't on the card if that makes sense because I just wasn't into it by the time I was watching it because I'd already I'd already it's like it's look it, this problem happened at Wrestlemania which is why I love that they have it over two nights now where you can actually have like this would have been the main event, but on a separate night, on a yeah. separate night, yeah. And then John Moxley and Daniel Bryan would have been the main event on that night. So taking it that way, maybe watching this show in two halves would have been a good way to do it. But it was what it was, and for me, the pop was already gone. And I think the crowd was kind of the same. The crowd were they were weren't they weren't it wasn't that they were not into it, but they were just kind of like okay. Hangman yeah. Adam Page defeated Adam Cole by pinfall to retain the AEW World Championship. So look, man, I really like Adam Cole, um, but Hangman Page, I while I agree with you, he has some good matches left in him. I just I think his title change his title run has been a bit meh. God, I I I'm the opposite. I think it's a. Uh... It's getting better and better. Um, so for me, the him. thing with Hangman is... I just, it's weird, look, I just don't buy him as a champion. I don't know why that is. Because when he was chasing the belt, you were like, man, he's really hungry. But I don't know. It's just something about him. I just don't buy him as a champion. See, I, I see him a lot like uh, like Bret Hart. So, so you had all these other matches during the night that were all very visceral and personal. Mm. Jericho, Kingston, you know, that was personal. Yeah. Uh, MJF, Punk, Mox, Danielson. These these were all real personal fights that had big storylines behind them. This was a wrestling match between the world champion and the number one contender. Yeah, okay. I'll so, give you that. Yeah. I mean, on paper, it was it had every right to be the main event, mm. but um, it you know it didn't have the the story or the build of the other ones. Yeah, and, it was the most pure wrestling match of the whole night as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, without Mox and, and Danielson, to um, be fair, Mox and Danielson was a pure wrestling match as well, but they wrestled a completely different style to both the lads in the ring oh, at that point. Completely different, yeah. Um, but, but with this one, what I found was the same thing with Adam Page is that, yeah, yeah, ever since, maybe not ever since he got the title, ever since the Danielson run ended, hmm. um, yeah, his his uh, championship 
The run hasn't been great, but then the bell rings. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like his match with um with uh, uh, Lance Archer, again, just kind of just kind of had a two week build, came up out of nowhere, and it was like, Yeah, I like both these guys. I'd say it's gonna be a good match. Mm. I'm not hugely into it. And yeah. then the bell rings. And then and it's, it's a totally different story. And this is the exact same here. It was very simple, straightforward, the world champion versus the number one contender. Mm. It didn't have the visceral nature of the other matches. It didn't have the you know, the the crowd sort of champing at the bit like the other matches. Mm. But then the bell rang and they put on a hell of a show. Alright, well look, as I said, I think that's a better analysis of it, but maybe when go you know, less is more with this kind of stuff. And I think going forward you don't need if for for me, I'm always going to enjoy the stories a little bit more than the pure wrestling because it, it can feel kind of hollow. What they should have done, again, probably have this earlier on in the night. You know, and you can't really have your cake and eat it too here with AEW. I understand what AEW are trying to do, but this would have been better, you know, midway through and then having Daniel Bryan and uh, Mox at the end. Yeah, or even like, I mean, I actually loved that um, that Jericho and Kingston opened the show because I thought it was brilliant the way Kingston just came storming down. <laughs> and I think the bell hadn't even rung and he threw Jericho on his head. Yeah, that um, was good. That was really but good. But this, this would have been a really good open. I think your world title either has to open or close the show. Yeah, and look, the thing about it is it's like WWE kind of do that now where they have the world title open in the shows. And I don't really mind that so much. It's just... I think with wrestling, if you're, the story really is more important than the mat than the, you know, the, yeah. the sport, right? If that makes sense, where the sport is there, and people are going to watch it for that. But what makes a good wrestling match a good like main event is the story and the the competitive nature of it too, and they're just. It just wasn't there. It was just missing something else. And I think because they had such a great build up to it, it was just kind of like, oh. You know, instead of being like, wow, that was amazing. It was like, yeah, oh, you know. And just put yourself in that mindset. If you had have seen William Regal show up at the end, like if that had of how the show <laughs> went off the air, you would be like, whoa, William, yeah. that's incredible. Instead of you're just like, oh. The, sh- the show oh. goes off the air with uh, Regal, Mox and Danielson all in the ring. Yeah. You know, pissing blood and shaking hands with each other. Like you that's see, a hell like, of a... That's a hell of an ending. And for me, yeah. that's a much more pay-per-view end then oh you know I, I agree I agree so. with you yeah, yeah. but look um, I'd give the show a, a solid watch it's a solid B for me uh, I think it, what let it down was there was too much quality here that's that's the and it's not a good complaint to have it's not a bad complaint to have it's a, it's a good one I said there's too much um, and you know I, I would have broken it up a little bit but look it is again it's like when you watch 2001 A Space Odyssey you watch that in two parts because that's a hard movie to watch. <laughs> you watch it in two parts because there's too much good. So I would say it's the same kind of thing here. If you haven't seen it, you know, find a stream. Uh, it's still available on the Fight app. Um, a solid B for me. Martin, what are your final thoughts on this? What's your grade rating and uh, anything else before we get out here? I I would give that an A. I okay. thought it was. I, th- I think the fact that I was still wide awake, buzzing at 4 a.m., um, you know, is an indication of how well paced it was. Uh, I think yes, there was a lot. I mean, there's 12 matches on the card, mm. including the pre-show. Yes, that is a lot. It is. But 
when you consider that this happens four times a year, you know, that's it. It's the big pay-per-views. And I think when they come on, they have to be events. Yeah. The length of them doesn't particularly bother me as long as they're paced well. And I thought what we had here, given the selection of matches, was a terrific breakdown of the kind of buffet style of wrestling that AEW does. You know, you have your hardcore, you have your technical, you have your high flying, you have your strong style, you have your, you know, your really visceral storylines, and then you have your kind of pure wrestling matches. And and I love this pay-per-view. I I think it might be, I think it might be my favourite AEW pay-per-view. Okay. That's that's high praise, man. That's high praise, and you're not going to get better than that. Martin is the biggest AEW fan that I know, so that's saying an awful lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's definitely if it's not the top one, it's it's in the top three. It's I I thought this was fantastic. Very cool. Again, guys, if this is your first stream, if this is your first time checking us out, thanks so much for sticking with us. Again, Marcus, thanks so much for your comments and also uh, subscribing to the channel. Please do subscribe, like the video, uh, spread words about the podcast and, of course, the Twitch stream and the YouTube channel as well. We appreciate it. Underscore the rewind on uh, Twitter. DWrestlingRewind.com is where you can find us as well. And, of course, my Twitter is at DaraWV. Martin's Twitter is SlobberNicker. And we'll be back next week. We well, actually, we'll probably be back this Friday because we usually do tape on a Friday. And um, yeah, we'll be back every single week, getting back to WCW and finishing off that timeline as well. Again, if there's anything you do want us to talk about, you can uh, either tweet us, leave a comment in the video, or um, email us therestingrewind at gmail.com. So for everybody uh, here on the show, and of course in Nerd to No Media. We'll see you next week here on The Wrestling Ruin. Bye, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.